Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the BPS podcast. Well, I hope this is your go-to platform for one-location movies. With over 50 movies under his belt, he redefined cinema and left an indelible mark on entertainment. It is impossible to discuss the history of motion pictures in any capacity without a nod to Alfred Hitchcock. The Birds and Psycho introduced me to the Hitchcock world while studying film in Tehran during my early 20s. I wasn't drawn to the stories he presented, but rather I was captivated by the techniques he showcased. The camera work, the editing, the visual aesthetics, the playfulness, experimental nature of his filmmaking approach. Everything about it fascinated me. I mean, he tried it all. Uh, Mr. Wendis, I should advise you. Our lawyer will give us any advice we need, thank you. In addition to a bite-sized article available on Bubble Pictures Studio website, here we explore Hitchcock uh, pioneering a unique form of visual storytelling uh, dedicated to cinema. His camera was like a painter's brush, capturing specific objects, elements, and actions to evoke emotions. Even with muting the sound, the narrative in his movies is still understandable. Make up your minds, darlings. In Lifeboat, we are on a survival journey. Picture this diverse group, all stuck in this tiny lifeboat. Blocking and staging for this movie was not easy. Yet again, Hitchcock made it look otherwise. Let's hear Pat Hitchcock and Dr. Drew Casper from Peter's Vantra's documentary. He totally preferred being on a set. He hated location. He said, you've got the noise, you've got the weather, you've got this, you've got that, before you can, you know, shoot the scene. He was working with one set, and he had to make sure that one shot was different from another shot. The storyboarding in this film was very extensive. More than any film up to this time, 96 minutes, how do you make every shot looked different from another shot. So as a guide to make sure that he had enough movement between shots, enough of a diversion between shots, he used this as a guide, he worked it out. And he drew the whole picture. He, he would draw all the scenes in the picture and he would say to the cameraman, all right, this is what I want. And there he would have drawn it. Perfection. He wanted it to be perfect. It was like a fear. How was he going to do it? How was he going to do it? It was all about conquering fear. How was he going to make order out of this very chaotic thing? Imagine how much Hitchcock himself learned from making Lifeboat and helped him kick off his other movie, Rope, the movie he made four years later. In Rope, Brandon and Philip 
attempt the perfect crime by strangling their ex-classmate with a rope. What makes it stand out is how Hitchcock shoots the murder in the continuous take, making it feel like it's happening right in front of you. Let's listen to Arthur Lawrence, the screenwriter, for some hidden gems. What was curious to me was rope is obviously about homosexuals. The word was never mentioned. Not by Hitch, not by anybody at Warner's where it was filmed. It was referred to as it. They were going to do a picture about it. And the actors were it. You frightened me. You always have. From that very first day in prep school. Part of your charm, I suppose. The picture was much more successful in Europe because I suppose in Europe they were used to it and we weren't here. And they didn't deny, but they never discussed that it was based on the Loeb Leopold case. They ignored it. I couldn't understand that. Two rich boys in a Chicago school decided to murder a third boy for the thrill of it. In Rear Window, the movie unfolds as suspenseful exploration of voyeurism and obsession. And Hitchcock plays with our view to keep us hooked. This is the scene of the crime. A crime of passion filmed in a way you have never seen before. This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. Additionally, I encourage you to listen to Gary Rydestrom as he explains the sound design of Rear Window. You can find uh, the complete version on our Instagram account. As an old sound effects guy, what I liked is Hitchcock treated the entire soundtrack like sound effects, meaning he was interested in the effect. Everything in the soundtrack had meaning dialogue too. He wasn't afraid to show dialogue absolutely no respect and clobber it. This is a scene where the Thorwalds are introduced. And listen to what sound effects he chooses. So he's looking at the Thorwalds, a married couple having some tension, and in his mind he's thinking, I don't want to do that. This is not the life for me. So what's in the soundtrack? No music, no pretty romantic music, but sirens and, and boat horns and fog horns and nasty, awful stuff. It's telling us what Jimmy Stewart is thinking. After viewing all four of these movies, I took a moment to reflect, and it's it struck me that there wasn't a traditional hero in any of them. While stars uh, were portraying the main characters, Alfred Hitchcock made sure you know that he's the one orchestrating these movies. Through his intentional choice of shots, the commanding use of the camera, whether through editing or the absence thereof, and the strategic deployment of sound. Hitchcock loudly proclaimed himself as the true hero of his movies. Perhaps this is why I always 
learned valuable lesson from his movies without necessarily falling in love with the narratives. It's important to hear uh, Donald Spotters, a Hitchcock's uh, biographer, as he explains the concept of pure cinema. Hitchcock said more than once that the subjective camera was more important than the acting and the actors, namely that when they looked and we saw what they saw, that that was important. Of course it is, because it makes us a participant. It puts us in the position of the actor doing the looking. When Hitch discussed with me this element, he used as an example rear window. He said it's a best example of the subjective use of the visual. A man looks, he sees, he responds. He looks, we see what he sees, and we feel what he feels. This cinematic approach, though a gift to movies, emphasizes the need to know who's behind the camera and what are their intentions, if there are any. What about you? To me, Hitchcock was a master of form. Yet the stories, particularly the depiction of women and the dialogue employed against them, left me uneasy. Example like the unnecessary violence in the attempt killing of Margot, the character played by Grace Kelly in Dial M for Murder, or the ending representation of Lisa, also played by Grace Kelly in a Rear Window, lingering my thoughts. All of these elements uh, contribute to a discomfort that makes it challenging for me to watch some of his movies. But that's the topic for another day or another podcast. Detroit News said it's the best crime play in years. The London Daily Mail headlined, a murder thriller with a difference. Today, I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn from Hitchcock's movie. He has undeniably left a benchmark for enthusiasts of one-location movies to study, a testament to the enduring legacy of the great Alfred Hitchcock. This is the One Location Movie Podcast, where every location tells a story.